Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are so worthy of our worship. As we turn now to your word, give us ears to hear. Speak to us, we pray. In your name, amen. Well, good morning. Thanks for being with us today. It's good to see you. And to tell an old joke, do you know what you call someone who talks to God? Spiritual, religious, prayerful. We have lots of good words for those people. Do you know what you, talk, you, know what you call someone to whom God speaks? Huh? Oh, I can't hear you. What? A friend? Or maybe crazy. Society-wise, right? Yes, you're giving us the spiritual, biblical answer, and I appreciate that. But culturally, someone who speaks to God, this is just a normal, like you're praying, it's good. Um, if you ask people, yeah, you're smart, it's a wise thing to do, that's good, that's a good word. Um, if you ask someone, can I pray for you, they're just likely to say yes, and then thank you. But if you go up to someone and you say, God spoke to me, they're likely to give you a funny look. <laughs> really? Okay, see you later. <laughs> Even sometimes people in the church get a little bit antsy when you say, well, God, God really spoke to me. I hope no one here does. Um, today we're talking about hearing God, which from some perspectives can be a bit of a risky topic. Um, but it's a really, really important one. And I want to take a minute just to connect the dots. Two weeks ago, I spoke about waiting for God. And I developed the image of waiting for a person. And when you're waiting for a person, your waiting is affected by the character of that person, your relationship with that person, and how you choose to prepare for that person. So if you know that they're pretty punctual and they're very faithful and reliable, you count on them being on time. And if they're not on time, you wonder what's gone wrong. Um, if the character of that person is that they're very kind of flaky and they're not good at communication, you just you expect them to be late and that's normal. Um, if they're a person you enjoy, they're someone you know, they're funny, they're the life of the party, you might look forward to them coming. Um, but then you start talking about the relationship. If this person is coming to do an inspection and the decision they're making is going to decide whether or not your business stays open or closed, it doesn't matter very much if they're a really good person and they're super punctual. You might wish they weren't. Um, because your waiting is going to be filled with anxiety because your relationship with that person is one where they're coming um, to make a decision that's going to drastically, potentially drastically affect your life. On the other hand, if you're waiting for a good friend that you haven't seen in a long time, your waiting is going to be filled with, with eagerness, with anticipation, with excitement. And then no matter what those two things do, you have to decide how to prepare um, now, those two things are going to affect how you prepare. And when I talked about this two weeks ago, I said, we're going to leave that one. We're going to talk about preparation later in May. That's today. So we spoke about the character of God as faithful and gracious and good. And that means we can look forward to his coming and know that when he comes, it will be with undeserved goodness and grace and that he will keep his word. We talked about his relationship with us as father and as friend and as shepherd, and as Lord, and some of the ways that that affects our waiting. As we begin to talk today and next week about how we choose to prepare, the two things we're going to talk about are hearing God and obeying God. Today we do hearing God, and next week we do obeying God. And the reason for that being the two subjects we speak of as we speak about our part in waiting, 
how we choose to wait well is because if you're going to wait for God well, if you're going to be um, ready, you need to be listening and obedient. That's what it means. And you can think this through in terms of those same four relationships. So you think about God as our Father, and God is a good Father. And some of us have a hard time knowing what that's like, but He is a really good Father. And that means He wants us to know how much He loves us. He really deeply desires for us to understand how valuable we are to Him. Um, And in order to do that, we need to hear. We need to hear Him speak His love into our lives. We need to have that revealed to us. He also, as a good Father, longs for us to grow and mature into the fullness of all that He has created us to be. And if you're a father here, I think you can probably echo that. You look at your children, and what you want for them is you want them to live well as the person that God has made them to be. But a big part of that path towards maturity and growth and and fulfilling all that you were made to be is obedience. Because as a younger child and as you're growing, like you don't know what that looks like, and you need guidance on the way. You think about God as our friend and and. Jesus speaks about this in John. He says, you know, I no longer call you servants because servants don't know their master's business, but I call you friends because everything that God has revealed to me, I've passed on to you. And a friend is someone who comes alongside of you in in what you're doing and whatever that is, right? Like maybe it's just you come alongside to have really deep and good conversations, but often friendships are composed around shared loves, shared activities, shared projects, right? And you want your friend to know what you are about and be able to join you in those things, and that requires those same two steps. You need to listen, you need to get to know them, and you need to understand them. And then We don't usually use the word obedience in the context of friendship because you're not living in obedience to your friend. You're living in unity to the project or the goal, but that is actually a form of obedience. Today, we're going to sit on the shepherd metaphor a little bit. And so our passage today, despite what was emailed and in the bulletin, I changed it at the last minute and it was too late to change all that communication. We're going to be in Matthew 24 next week when we talk about obedience. So if you already, if you're a keener and you already had your Bibles open because it's in the bulletin and it tells you where we are, we're not there. We're going to be in John chapter 10. Um, And in John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and he's talking about himself as the shepherd. And so we're going to turn to that now. If you've got your Bibles on your phone or in paper, it's great. Otherwise, it's going to be on the screen behind us. Oh, I thought I changed that. Did I not? It, I did. It just didn't change the first one. Awesome. It didn't change. I, I, even the slides, I didn't get those changed properly. But if you would please rise for the reading of Scripture. And we do this every Sunday. We stand for the reading of the Word as an act of participation and as a reminder that this is the best thing you're going to hear from me today. Um, I hope everything else is good too, but nothing trumps the Word of God. And we're going to read the first five verses of John chapter 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. 
The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It's a great picture that Jesus gives us here, and a realistic one, too. Uh, I've never been a shepherd, but I've read about shepherds, <laughs> and um, apparently this is quite true, like to the point where you could have multiple flocks in an enclosure, and then the shepherd can come, and he can call his sheep, and only his sheep come out. They actually do recognize his voice and respond in obedience. And the first step to this is that they know his voice. As Christians, as people walking with God, we are called into that kind of relationship with our Lord, with our shepherd, where we recognize his voice and we respond. But I know from experience in my own life and from talking to other Christians that that's a subject that brings up a ton of questions. I think most of us would love to hear from God and would love to hear from God more often, but it's hard sometimes. And it's confusing sometimes. And often you're in a place where you're like, I don't know, I think maybe I might have heard from God. Um, or maybe that was just me. Or maybe that's just what I want, right? And, and I'm convincing myself that God is telling me what I'd like to hear. Um, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We run into all of these questions. Now, there's way more that we could talk about around the subject of hearing God than I can talk about today, just so you know. <laughs> um, it's a big subject. My goal this morning, then, as we talk about hearing God, is to help us begin that journey. And it is meant to be a journey, a journey in which you learn to recognize the voice of God, in which you come to the point where Jesus can say the same thing of each of us that he says here in this parable where his sheep know his voice, and we are his sheep, and we learn his voice, and we run from other voices. It's okay to not be there right away. It's okay to need to take steps. We all do, and God is so gracious in that, that he walks us in that path. There's so many stories in Scripture. The story of Abraham is one of my favorites, of a story of, a, of God walking graciously with somebody who doesn't know him very well at the beginning of the story. Abraham doesn't know God super well at the start. Um, but over a lifetime, in the grace and wisdom of God, Abraham learns to recognize the voice of God to the point where, near the end of Abraham's story, God can ask him to do something that sounds completely absurd and wrong. And because Abraham recognizes the voice of God, he walks in obedience anyway. And that's the story where God commands him to take his son up on a mountain and sacrifice him. This doesn't happen God doesn't actually want him to do that. We're not going to get into that story. Um, it's part of the journey of faith for Abraham. And it's a hard story, kind of like this is a hard topic. So what are the starting points? I want to talk through three things this morning. Creating space for the voice of God in our lives. Hearing God in Scripture. And hearing God in community. That's what we're going to walk through today. Because each of these are really important starting points as we walk this journey. You can't actually get started without these three things, without creating space for the voice of God in your life, without listening through the, through the scriptures, through the revealed word of God, and without the community of God around you in this. You need these things as anchors um, in order to, do, to walk this journey. 
And again, each of these three things are bigger than I can talk about. So actually, this is where it might, I'm going to do three things, and each one has three points. <laughs> so three and three. So we're talking about creating space, and creating space has three subpoints. So 1A, believing it's possible. This is the first way we create space. You have to believe it's possible. 1B, creating some quiet. And 1C, removing false expectations. All of these are important for creating space. The first one is believing it's possible. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Now this verse is really good news when you sink into it, but lots of us get stuck in the first half. We, we read, and maybe this happened to you right now. You heard me read, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that's as far as you get. And you start, at, well, you start, you start worrying about that. And you ask all these questions like, do I have faith? Do I have enough faith? Do I have the right kind of faith? Am I actually going to be able to please God? What if I mess up? Right? What if I doubt? I've said this before. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Disobedience is. Doubt's normal. It's okay, right? But when you follow the whole verse, it actually becomes much better than this whole set of questions. Because the verse doesn't say without faith, it is impossible to please God because only super awesome miracle working faith is good enough. Um, without faith, it's impossible to please God because only people who can float five feet off the ground really have faith. Um, without faith, it's impossible to please God because there's no way you're trying hard enough. Like, it doesn't say any of those things. That, the inner voices sometimes say those things to us, but the Scriptures don't. That's not the voice of the Lord. What it says is, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Your faith has to have two parts— and the reason it has to have two parts is because if you have those two parts, you will seek God. If you believe He's there and you believe He's good, then you'll go after Him. That's it. In other words, the end result that God is looking for is that, that you look for Him. If you look for Him, full of doubt, not sure how this is going to end, not sure what the goodness of God is actually going to look like, but you're looking, that is the faith that pleases God. That's where my journey started. When I was a teenager and was challenged around this and, and asked why I didn't believe, and, and my response was, I just don't know if God's real. My, the man who was walking with me through this, the youth intern in the church I was going to, challenged me. He said, well, why don't you find out? To which I was like, okay, like how am I supposed to do that, right? He said, just read the Bible a little bit and ask God to show himself to you and pray that God would show you that he's real. It's pretty simple, pretty low commitment. I read the Bible for a couple minutes each day. I said that prayer, God, if you're really there, show me. I wasn't in a place where I knew the answers, and yet God met me in those places, and he honored that. And I think he does that with us. Like, that's the grace of God. That that's enough. You don't need more than that. The other side of this, though, is that if you don't have those basic things, if I'm up here saying, we need to be able to hear God. God speaks. Like, this is the truth, that God is a God who speaks. Greg came up here and shared how he spoke to Greg this weekend or this past weekend. You read the Scriptures, God's speaking all over the place. God speaks. 
Some of us immediately think, yes, but not to me. Well, that's going to stop you, right? It's not the truth. God would love to speak to you. He is speaking to you. You may not be hearing Him, but He is. Um, So you have to believe that He exists, that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. You have to believe that it's possible. Assuming you do believe it's possible, then the next step is going to be to create some quiet and remove some false expectations. There's a a story, and I don't think it's a true story. I think it's somebody's clever sermon illustration, but it's a really good one, so I'm going to share it anyway. Um, There's a story of two friends, and one of them, he lives out kind of more in the country, probably somewhere around Prince George. He's a hunter, he's a fisherman, he's an outdoorsman, he loves nature, and, um, and his good friend that he grew up with has moved to New York. Biggest, busiest city, loud, and uh, his, his New York friend says, you know, come on out and visit. So he goes to New York to visit his friend. And it's, it's very unusual. This, this man from Prince George is not used to this level of just noise and smoke and people everywhere. And, um, but he's, he's glad to be with his friend. And one day they're walking down the street, and uh, the guy from Prince George says, I think I heard a cricket. I haven't heard any sounds of nature since I got here, and I'm sure I just heard a cricket. And the guy from New York is like, no, you didn't. There's no way. There's cars rushing by, horns honking, people everywhere. You didn't hear a cricket. I'm pretty sure I did. And so they walk another like eight feet or so, and there's a lamp post and some grass and weeds growing around it, and he bends down, and sure enough, a cricket jumps out. And his friend from the city is amazed. He says, you must have the best hearing in the world, because there's no way I would have heard that. And the guy from Prince George says, no, I don't have any better hearing than you. It's just about what your ears are trained to hear. The guy from the city says, sure, whatever. No, I'm serious. Watch. And he pulls out a quarter, and he drops it on the the sidewalk, and everyone in 10 feet looks around to see if that was their money. (laughs) It's funny. I think it's also true. Like, it is about what our ears are trained to hear. Our lives are so full, and our heads are so full. And even though we don't live in New York, like, it's, there's still a ton of noise. And so you do actually need to find some quiet, both externally and internally. They're both important. Um, I'm not saying that you need to be able to go away for a silence retreat for like two days or a week or something. A couple minutes is good. God will meet you in what you've got. I know there are people here who finding a half day to be quiet is impossible. That's okay. That's not what's required. But you do still need to have some quiet space in your life. You listen to people talk about when they get ideas and when they get creativity and stuff like this. Often it's when you're in the shower, but that's because that's the only three minutes in your life or five or seven or 15 where there's no noise, right? Like every other minute of your life is full and you can't even hear yourself think. Um, That's no good. If you want to hear God, you do need to create some external quiet in your life. It doesn't have to be a lot, and it doesn't have to be long because of the grace of God, but it is important in the development of our ability to hear, because more often than not, the voice of God is a still, small voice. It's not that He can't speak loudly. He does. Um, It's that He doesn't want to do that all the time. Can you imagine a friend who only ever listened to you when you yelled? It would be really, either they've got, they need some hearing aids, or there's something up with that friendship. So that's one piece, but internal quiet is also important. Um, And this actually, this is really cool. This is mostly about intention. 
you can listen for God while doing other things, while doing the dishes, while driving, while doing yard work, um, while waiting in line. It's, it, but the question is, like, what is going on in your head? Are you focused on, like, God, do you have anything to say to me right now? Are you able to be quiet? And that, too, is a journey. It's actually a lot harder to create internal quiet than external quiet. External quiet, you can manipulate a lot of those circumstances. You can turn off the music, and you can turn off the lights, and you can not plan something for an evening or for an hour or for whatever. You can get up a few minutes early before your kids get up. Like, there are a lot of ways to create external quiet. A little creativity, you'll get there quickly. Internal quiet is hard. The first time you sit down, you've created external quiet. You got five minutes alone. That five minutes is just going to be filled with the rushing thoughts, like the noise of your heart and your soul. Um, that's normal. Don't, don't feel like, oh, I'm never going to get this because look where I'm at. Uh, that's very normal. And it takes some time and it takes some practice. And often it takes some listening to your own heart and soul before your internal dialogue and voices quiet down. Um, because if you're living a really busy life, you haven't listened to your heart and soul in a long time. And that in itself can be a really valuable and fruitful part of the journey. But there are some things you can do to help that along. I always need, when I'm going to have a time of quiet, a paper and a pen. Because what happens to me when I have a time of quiet is I start thinking about all of the things I've forgotten to do. And that just creates, like, stress, right? Because now I'm trying to listen to God and not forget stuff. Well, if I write it down, I can let it go. And I can be quiet. And so that really helps me. Um, some people really enjoy journaling and find that if you journal out some of those internal things before you try to sit down and listen, then that can be fruitful. But for all of us, it's a journey. Um, and it's okay if it takes a number of times before you actually are able to sit in quiet. So we believe it's possible. We create the space for it to occur. And then the next thing we run into are false expectations. Um, and these are in the same, they're, they're in two directions too. We have false expectations on ourselves, and I've been trying to knock some of those out already, ex- expecting to be amazing the first time you try to listen to God. Like, no, it's going to be hard, and that's okay. And if you, if you go into it expecting it to be easy and simple and happen really, really well, and you find that it doesn't, you'll be discouraged and you quit. So I'd rather you know that it does take time. Um, Some of us have the expectation upon ourselves that we can't really listen until everything else is is just the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, you're never going to get there. (laughs) Sorry, I I hope that's not news. Um, I live with four kids. If I had to clean my house before I prayed, I'd never pray because they can make messes faster than I can clean them. Um, And they do, and it's frustrating, but that's life. So, and that's just the simple, like, cleaning your house. You talk about cleaning, like, your life. Like, good luck. But God doesn't need us to be perfect. Jesus didn't wait till we had it all together to come and to, to reveal God and to die to forgive our sins and to be raised from the dead. Like, we were still enemies when all of that happened. Um, the, so, you don't need any of that. Uh, you don't need super long times. You don't need to be super spiritual. The truth is that God knows where you're at. He knows your stage of life. He knows what's possible for you better than you do. He's not looking for a certain set of things. There's no checklist. I can't give you a, here, you want to do this? You must accomplish these five things first. He's looking for your heart. 
right? Hebrews 11.6, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's an, it's, earnestness looks different for different people and in different times. And God knows that. That's okay. So you let go of those false expectations. But false expectations on ourselves are fairly simple. You basically, you can say, what's stopping me from praying? And anything that's doing that, it's, there's going to be tied up to a lie. I'm not good enough. That's a lie. God doesn't, isn't interested in talking to me. That's a lie. I don't have the time. It's a lie. You can do it while you're doing other things. Um, some of the most amazing people in Christian history had to pray while they were involved in other work because their lives were too full to do it in any other way. Um, and God met them. He'll meet you. What's harder, though, is the false expectations we have towards God. Because the false expectations we have towards God will not stop us from praying. They'll just stop us from hearing. But they may actually make us pray even more. Um, I said earlier, I said, as our Father, God wants us to mature, and He wants us to grow, and He wants us to become all that He has made us to be. I said, as our Father, God wants us to know His love and to return His love. But many of us, when we come and we, we say we want to hear God, what we really mean is that we've got a problem we want God to solve, or we've got a question that we want God to answer. And we're not interested in God as, as a friend or as a father or as somebody with whom we desire a relationship. We're interested in God as Google or God as um, like an intervention officer who's going to step in and, and clean this up so that we can get on with our business. Um, and the, re, like, the danger from the perspective of God, is that every time he meets us in those ways, and he does sometimes, and I think in his wisdom, he knows when that's the right thing to do and when it's not, but the danger is that every time God meets us in that way, we are more likely to keep coming back to him like that, and that's not who God is. He's not Google. He's not a vending machine. He's not an intervention officer. He's our father. He wants to be our friend. That requires a relationship, not just a, a call me when the plumbing's broken, right? Like, you don't it's not the same thing. And so if, if our expectation is just that God will meet us in that way and we're not looking for those deeper things, um, we're very much limiting the possibilities. Not that God won't meet us in those places. He is incredibly gracious and loving. Um, it's just that we won't actually get very far. Another example of this, God wants us to be responsible, maturing, faith-filled, Christ-like adults. If we're going to God and what we want is for him to give us the answer so we can escape responsibility, oh, that God told me I have to do this so I don't have to be responsible. We want God to guarantee our success. Well, God told me so I know it has to work. Um, we want God to make our plans succeed, right? Like, again, we're risking the vision that God has for us. You don't become a responsible adult by passing off all your responsibilities to other people. Right? And, and we know this. We've all grown up, and you can probably think back in your life of that transition over years between your parents being responsible for everything and you being responsible for everything. And most of us hit a number of bumps along that road because it's a hard transition. But God wants us to walk in that way. So if we're just coming for, to him to avoid that, we're not going to hear very much. Um, Another false expectation is we sometimes expect that the things God speaks to us will always be easy, or we only want to hear the easy things from God. 
the times when he gives us encouragement, the times when he solves our problems, the time when he works some kind of miracle. God does those things, and it's really good, but just as often, God needs to speak to us to turn us around, um, to lift our eyes out of the, the kind of mess we're in and hear something like, be still, right? And that is a life-giving word, but it's also a, a call to a place where we aren't right now. Um, a few weeks ago, we had some missionaries visit, and I don't know how many of you were able to come out and hear them talk, but I loved hearing Tim as he shared about his conversations with Muslims in Northern Africa and how he'd be praying because he had no idea what he was supposed to say, and God would tell him to say something, and he'd be like, really? Like, I, that, I don't want to say that. How is that going to go? That's hard, and that doesn't make any sense, and he wouldn't hear anything else from God until he had obeyed. But then when he obeyed and he said the first thing, God would keep giving him instructions and keep guiding the conversation. But that is often how God works. God speaks to us and we're like, no, 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 I don't want to hear that. Well, sorry, if that's where God's at, then that's where you need to talk to him. Um, and it's not because he's stubborn and he has to have his, thing, his things his way. It's because he actually knows that's what, what we need. We need to be in that place. And so there needs to be an openness. I think in all of these things, all of these false expectations, the answer to these is an openness to the ways of God, where we come to Him, yes, with our own stuff, because you can't come to Him with any other stuff, and He wants to hear our stuff. There's nothing that you can't bring to God. But in the midst of bringing your stuff to God, you still need to be open to, God, what do you want to say to this? Where do you want to lead me? And I've had both experiences where I've come to God and I'm like, God, this stuff is heavy and I don't know what to do. And he meets me right there. And I've had other times where I come to God and I have all these things I need to deal with. And God's like, actually, those aren't the things you need to deal with. You need to be over here. Uh, he's always right. <laughs> it's shocking. Um, we say that and we chuckle, but how often do we act differently? So in all these ways, we create space to hear the voice of God. We believe it's possible and act accordingly. We create quiet in our lives, externally and internally, and we, we become open to the ways of God and let go of some of our expectations, some of, because some of them are revealed. We know God is good and gracious and faithful, and we can rely on those things. We can rely on His promises. Having done that, the next thing to do is to, you got to bring the Bible into this. You got to bring the scriptures into that space of listening. Right? Because all of those things I just talked about, they're going to create a space of listening in your life. Um, but you don't just listen to anything. The scriptures are what train us to recognize His voice within those spaces of quiet. And so we turn to the scripture, and we turn to it as a place where we can get to know God, a place where we can have our, ourselves lined up with Him, and a place where He can speak. And this is why we read the Bible. Anyone who's been in church for any amount of time knows this is an important book that we encourage you to be reading daily, not just when you come to church on Sunday. We talk about this is the word of life. When you turn to read Scripture, though, it's going to be a very boring and dead activity if you don't have an understanding of why you're doing this and where you're going with it. If you're just doing it because it's something you should do, it's not, it's not going to work very well. Um, it, you, you probably won't actually be able to. And many of us struggle to read our Bibles regularly, and I don't think that this is the only reason you could struggle, but for a lot of us, it's because it doesn't actually connect anything. 
Why do I do something that doesn't connect to anything, that doesn't seem to make a difference, that doesn't, like, okay, I read that, now I go on with the rest of my life, and all I've done is lost five minutes or 10 or 15 or whatever. Um, it should be more than that because what you're doing when you read Scripture are those three things. It is the place where we get to know God. The Bible is the history of God speaking and working with His people. And it allows us to begin to recognize His voice because He doesn't change. So the character that is revealed as He speaks to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as, as Jesus speaks to the twelve apostles, as Paul writes these letters to the churches, as the prophets declare the Word of God to Israel, it's the, He's the same God. And, and, and so you can actually, in here, as you become familiar with this word, you learn the, the sound of his voice. You learn the flavor of his voice. There's no way to avoid mixed metaphors here because um, we're not talking about a person who speaks to you like I am with a mic and all this kind of stuff. Um, we, learn, we learn the sense of his presence. And we can hold up our experiences to the scriptures and say, does this line up? So a great verse for this is in Galatians, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And, and, and you sit down to listen, and you get this urge to just totally let loose and lose control. Well, probably not the voice of God, right? Like, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Um, you, you start to get this, this sense of like, you know what? I'm just going to abandon my commitments, uh, God is faithful. He's not the one leading you to be unfaithful. That's something else going on there, right? And you can hold up your experience and say, okay. And one of the really cool things that that lets you do is it actually lets you move forward in the midst of your doubt. So you're trying to listen to God and, a, and, and the, the face and name of a, of a good friend comes to mind who you've hurt recently and you start to think, oh my goodness, I need to apologize. Well, now you think, was that the voice of God, or am I just knowing what I should do? You know what? You can move ahead thinking, it might be the voice of God, let's see, because it lines up with the character of God. God is a God who urges us into forgiveness. Um, and so you can walk in that knowing that whether or not that was God speaking to you, you're doing a good thing, and that he will meet you in the midst of that, especially if it was his voice. Um, and it's really cool when you actually get to start to do that because what typically happens when it's the voice of God urging you into those things is that it's better than you expected. You go to that friend and you, you ask for forgiveness and suddenly you find your friendship is deepened or that, that your friend had things that they needed to say to you as well and there's healing in that relationship and it's, it's way better than you thought it could be and then you step back from that and you say, that was you, God. And now you have an experience of hearing God's voice and the next time that happens, you've got more of a basis to keep going. Right? And all of this because you've been in the scriptures and you've begun to recognize and know the voice of God. The other way the scriptures teach us and speak to us, however, is they speak to us about ourselves. So how is it that I could lay out some of those false expectations, say this is what God desires, and when we come to him in a different way, we actually go against his expectations? It's because the Bible teaches us these things, right? Um, the Bible reveals to us who we are called to be. So Paul writes in 2 Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Um, so you're reading about God, and you're reading about how 
faithful and merciful and gracious he is, and you sit back and you say, I have always thought of God as a disciplinarian. I've thought of God as a judge who's watching me to see whether I'm getting it right. And that doesn't line up with this picture. That's a really good moment because that's God speaking to you through the word to correct some of the false assumptions and expectations you've made. And we've all got those, myself included. Well, none of us have a perfect image and understanding of who God is. And so we need that to speak to us in this way, as well as reveal ourselves to us. So Christina and I read the scriptures together, and um, we've been doing that recently, more intentionally trying to listen to God as we do this. And I don't know how long ago this was. It was pretty recently. We were reading a story in the Gospel of Mark together, and it's a story of Jesus with this crowd of people, and they're walking down the street, and this blind man off to the side of the road hears that Jesus is coming by, and he starts shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody in the crowd's like, shh, go away. And he shouts louder. And then Jesus calls him over, and Jesus heals the blind man. He restores his sight. And we're reading this story, and we're imagining this story, and imagining where we were. And Christina gave me permission to share this. Um, and Christina imagined herself in the crowd. And she was one of the people who was uncomfortable with this blind man. And God spoke to her in that saying, I want you to have deeper compassion. I want you to see people with my eyes and with the love that I have for them. And that's one of the, the again, like, so the Bible reveals ourselves to us and where we're at so that we can be guided and corrected. And then God does speak like even more personally and directly than these kind of teaching modes where we're reading the Bible and a word jumps out to us, or a phrase, or a sentence, um, where we're reading the Bible and be still, and it's like, oh, that's a word God is speaking to me right now. And as you grow in your creating quiet and creating space, and you grow in your recognition of his voice, that happens more, where um, things come out and, and you're like, I don't know why I read that, except, wow, God, you really just spoke to me in that. And you can come to the Bible to expect that. Not all the time, not in the sense of every time you read it, but looking for that and asking God to do that with you. So we create space for the voice of God. We turn to Scripture to learn to recognize and to hear the voice of God. And we do this in community. Community is really key here. This is not a journey we walk alone. There's a number of reasons for this. There's real value in having multiple people listening um, and, and checking, like, because God speaks to us together. So you sit together, and you, you're trying to discern where the Lord is leading you, and you read some scripture, and you're praying, and you look to each other, and you say, what did, what did you hear? And you start to share where God is meeting you, and it's encouraging, and it's eye-opening, um, and it's correcting, and together, you get further. Another really valuable thing in this is to have people who are further along in the journey with you who can say, actually, that doesn't sound like the voice of God. Or, and I love when I get to do this with people, do you realize that was God? Because that's such a cool thing. And often that's in hindsight where someone will come and they'll talk to me about kind of where things have been going in their life and what's happening. And then I get to sit back and I say, do you realize that in the story you just told me that God's hand is visible here and here and here and here? And it's always like, that is amazing. And 
I have people, don't get me wrong, I don't get to do that with other people because I'm so awesome and discerning. When it's my life, I usually need someone else to point it out to me too. Um, it's because in the living of it, we're often so focused like this that we don't take that kind of step back and look at where we've come from and see like, oh, that's where God's been at work. That's a really cool thing to be able to do for somebody. Um, so we need those people in our lives to, to point us the right way. I love the story of um, Eli and, and Samuel, and Samuel's this young boy, and he's, he's in the temple, and he's, he's serving, and he's training up to be a priest. He ends up being a prophet. He's lying in bed, and he hears someone calling him, Samuel, Samuel, and he, and he figures it's Eli. He runs out to Eli. He says, I'm here. I'm here. What do you need? Because he's kind of like a servant, and Eli's like half asleep. I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Goes back to bed. Samuel jumps up, runs to Eli. What is it, Master? I'm here. And Samuel's, or Eli's wise, he says, you know, this is probably God calling you. Next time you hear that voice, say, Lord, your servant is listening. And so he goes back to bed and God calls him again and, and speaks words of prophecy that he's supposed to pass on. But he needed Eli to say, that's the voice of God, right? We need that. And then lastly, God actually does have a long history of working in community. It's not that he doesn't work in individuals, but that he especially works in community. He calls out a people. He creates a church. He calls 12 apostles. Like, we are meant to walk in a group. We're meant to be together in this journey, supporting one another, lifting one another up, encouraging one another, correcting one another, etc., etc. We're not meant to stand alone. The same thing is true when it comes to hearing God. So these are starting points. I hope this is enough that you can take something away from today and actually take the next step on this journey, whatever that means for you, even if it's the first step, even if you're where I started. God, I don't even know if you're really there. But if you are, I'd love to know you. I'd love you to show me that. Right? that you can start with that kind of prayer. Um, wherever you heard yourself in what I'm talking about, whether it's believing it's possible needing to create some quiet, removing false expectations, coming to the scriptures to know God and hear God, or joining in community in that journey. You probably know where you are. I would urge you to take that next step. And there's a lot of ways you can do this here in this community. We are running the Bible Basics class, and one of the reasons for that is because we want you to be able to read the Bible well. So if that's where you are, come out. You missed the first one, but that's okay. There's five left, and they're going to be really good. Um, we have our prayer meetings Tuesday nights. It's the first and third Tuesday of the month, and we've intentionally set aside the next three, so not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday, which I think, I mean, I don't know what date it is. Today's the 12th, so that would be, what, the 21st, maybe? Um, anyway, it's Tuesday, next Tuesday at 7 o'clock in the Hub. And we've intentionally set them aside as prayer basics. We're still going to be praying for one another and have a prayer meeting, but we're going to open those prayer meetings with a brief time of, like, let's assume there's people in this room who have some questions and who, who aren't very far along in the journey of prayer. And even if that's not you, it'll be a good time to be refreshed and to join in a community of prayer. And those are just two ways you can join in community. There's lots of the other ways that you can actually take those steps on your own to create quiet or to, to study the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. So I leave that to you to discern and ask and, and decide like what's next for me. But do that because God is a God who speaks and he wants to meet you in that place. So let's pray.
Lord God, I thank you that you are a God who speaks. I thank you for your goodness and grace. I thank you that you meet us where we are, not because you want to leave us there, but because you long for us to walk further into your love and into who you've made us to be. So lead us in that journey, Lord, of waiting on you and of hearing you and of listening to you and of obeying you. Be with each of us as we take those next steps. May you meet us in power and in grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.